Welcome to the City Edge Church podcast. For more information, please visit our website at cityedgechurch.org.au. We hope that you enjoy this message. Hello, City Edge Churches. It is my privilege to be with you today to share the word and um, an honor to share this series with you, the Onward series. We, Sam and I, we love your pastors. Um, Paul and Kate Bartolo. We've known them for many, many years, right back from the youth days, probably, gosh, maybe 15 years ago. And they're amazing. They're an amazing couple. And you are, you are blessed to have them as your pastors. They're passionate, they're authentic, and uh, real genuine people. So I want to thank them for this privilege to be able to share in this series in the life of your church. And um, before we get into it, I just felt that I had, as I was praying for your churches, a word for you. And I felt that God say that your churches will be defined as a passionate people. And um, just two, two terms, I guess, to share with you. And the first one is that passion is the great persuader. And so as we go out into the world and as you go out into your world, I feel like that passion that you carry as City Edge Church is going to persuade people and it's going to cause people to ask more of God and ask more of you because the way that you live your life is so persuasive and compelling. And the other term was that people are going to get caught up in the fever of hope, the fever of hope. And right now, if there's anything our world needs, it's hope. And Jesus is our hope. He's our sure anchor and our hope. And so I just felt those two terms, passion is a great persuader and that uh, people are going to get caught up in the fever of hope around your life because it's so attractive and so contagious. So I just wanted to share that with you and, um, and let's get into the word. So the Onward series, the Onward series. I personally love the story of the Israelites. I read the Old Testament and uh, I love the picture that we get of ourselves by studying the Israelites. I mean, we can look at them and learn a whole lot. One of the mantras that Sam and I live by is to learn from other people's mistakes. There's no point, you know, having to learn everything yourself. It's probably wisdom to look at someone else and go, not going to do that. And so the Israelites give us that kind of opportunity. And uh, the, other, the thing about the, the Israelites story and the thing about God and the thing about this series is knowing that God is always moving. He's always moving. And so in life, it's also important for us to recognize there's no such thing as standing still. You're either intentionally moving forward or you're actually moving backwards while the rest of the world keeps moving. So we have to make a decision to move onwards and onwards in God because he's always moving and he's always taking you into your future when you follow. So this series is a beautiful series and it's a truth as we move into the things that God has for us. We live in the right now and all we have is right now. And I have other messages around, you know, manna and the fact that manna was the right now bread and that that's what we live off. But we're always moving in the direction of the promise of God. And, and the New Testament writer says, I press on towards the goals. So it's a beautiful idea for us to get around this onwards series. 
I have for the last year and a half been reading the chronological Bible, um, trying to do it in a year, but failed because there's a lot to read in the one year Bible. But in reading the chronological Bible, it has totally revolutionized my uh, quiet time with God and my understanding of the word. And so because, you know, some of us may not know that the Bible is actually not in order. It's not in order. So reading the chronological Bible has shown me all the stories, all the characters, all the people that I love in the Bible exactly in the order that it happened. And so the books of the Bible are then a kind of interchanging as I'm reading. And it's just opened my eyes to a, another dynamic of the Word of God. And so so we see as I'm reading and uh, reading about the story of the Israelites, we learn about Moses, who was the leader that God raised up to deliver his people, Israel, out of Egypt. And they'd lived in Egypt for 400 years as slaves, um, which has a whole lot of context to it. You know, the slave mentality that they'd been in for generations and God raises up this man named Moses to deliver them out of Egypt and not only deliver them out of Egypt, but then take them into their promise. And so a key for us to realize is God doesn't just rescue us from things. He also wants to take us into things. And so too many people just stop at the cross, but there's a resurrected life on the other side of it. God's always moving us into a promise. And so here they are, they're wandering around in the wilderness and, um, and God is speaking to Moses about what he'd promised Abraham, the forefathers, about this promised land. And God's saying this land is going to be a good land, a land you don't have to. You're going to live in, in cities you didn't have to build. You're going to um, harvest crops from plants you didn't have to plant. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. He promises them this amazing destiny. And so they finally get there and Moses sends in 12 spies. You may know the story and the spies go and scout out the land and then come back to bring a report. 10 of the spies have a report that says this land, it is amazing, but it's scary and it's full of giants and fortified cities and armies and they're afraid. Two of the 12, Joshua and Caleb, have a favorable report and they say, yeah, it is fortified and there are armies and, and there are um, giants, but God said it was ours. So if God said we should go in and take it. Well, the story goes that the, the people of Israel prefer to side with fear. And so they engage with the testimony of fear of the 10 and they reject Joshua and Caleb's testimony of faith and courage. And so God is mad and God says, well, because of that, every, every member of this generation will pass away in the wilderness and will not in inherit the promise because they didn't have faith, because they didn't have obedience. And so they wander around the desert for 40 years and, um, and, th and that generation dies. And here we are. What I want to bring us to is the story of Joshua. And, uh, and the story goes that they're on the doorstep of the promised land and the only ones of the previous generation are, you guessed it, Joshua and Caleb, the only two who believed God at his word. They had to wait 40 years, but they're finally at the promise. Moses has died. The whole previous generation has died. And here we have Joshua at the doorway of their promise, at the doorway of the promised land with all the people of Israel. And I had this epiphany. 
I had this epiphany as I was reading it again. And now I've preached Joshua so many times. Over 20 years, I've preached this story so many times. But as I'm reading it again, and it intermingles with Deuteronomy and Joshua, and I'm seeing this account play out chronologically, I had a revelation. Because God said to Joshua, I've given this land into your hands. Now go in and take it. And this was the revelation that I had. I said to God, you told them they could have it. You told them that you'd given it to them. And in the next breath, you're saying, now go in and take it. So receiving something from God is not necessarily just a case of it being handed to you. There's also a taking that has to happen. God said you have to go in. You have to fight the inhabitants. You have to subdue the inhabitants. You have to establish the culture of heaven in that place. I'm not going to go in. You've got to go in and do it. I'll go with you, but you've got to go in and do it. And so I realize there's so much of our onward journey that requires us being active in taking what God has given. And so the title of my message is Silver Platter and Silver Spoons. Silver Platters and Silver Spoons. It's kind of like the young woman who finally says to God, you know what? I'm done with worldly dating. I want a godly husband. That was the story of my life. I was like, God, I'm done with this. Just bring the next, the only one I'm interested in is the godly one who you are bringing into my life. And so in comes Sam, silver platter, right? (laughs) On a silver platter. But I want to tell you, after 17 years of marriage, there's been a fight involved for the integrity of our marriage, for the honor of our marriage, for the honor of each other. To be able to do a godly marriage requires a fight in the spirit. It's like, um, it's like those of us who, who are believing for our businesses. You know, God, give me that contract. The contract comes, silver platter, silver platter. And then we realize very quickly there are ethical decisions we need to make around our business. There are moral decisions we need to make around our business. And we realize the silver platter also comes with a fight. I've spoken to many politicians, um, some who have become really good friends of ours, who will say they felt the call to go into politics. And they went into politics and very quickly realized there's a fight involved. There's a fight involved. They get elected, silver platter but there's a fight involved to be in that position for such a time as this. So silver platters and silver spoons, what does it mean to move onward in God? What does it mean to take that promise once God's given it to you on a silver platter? So let's read together in Joshua chapter one. Joshua chapter one, verse one. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise that I'll be with you. And I promise what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on the land that I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. Now, no one will be able to stand against you. And that is a word and it's a revelation to know people will stand. They just won't last as long as you live. 
For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Don't deviate from them turning to either the right or the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Not everything you sit back on your couch and assume is going to fall into your lap, but everything you do. Study the, this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Again, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I realized that God had given them the land, but they still had to fight for it. That there were no silver spoons or silver platters here. That God would deliver it to them, but they still had to go in. You know, moving into the promises of God requires great courage. It requires great courage, which is why in that first short address to this new leader, God said it three times, be brave, be courageous. He said it three times, be strong and courageous. I once heard bravery defined as this, bravery is moral and mental strength in the face of challenge. Moral and mental strength in the face of challenge. And when, when we look back maybe, maybe on our lives or maybe on the lives of people we've seen around us, where there's been a fall and where there's been a breakdown, it's usually in one of those two areas, moral or mental strength. And so today I wanna to talk to us about the courage that's required to move onwards, the courage that's required to do the right thing with this thing that God has given to us. What does it mean to move into the promise? So today, three things that courage knows. Courage knows three things. And the first one is this, Courage knows I'm powerful enough to act out of who I am and not how I feel. Now, this is a life verse for me. Ezekiel 20 verse 9, God says, I will act out of who I am and not how I feel. In learning about Joshua and reading about Joshua, I've been amazed because actually out of the two, out of Caleb and Joshua, he is the, the less extroverted one. He is the more quiet, pensive, reflective, worshipful one out of the two. Caleb's the one that's like, give me my mountain. Joshua's a little bit more reserved. And yet when I see him lead these people, he does some things that are relentlessly obedient. I'm like, how does, how does someone who's quite meek in his spirit do the things that Joshua did? Well, the truth is, courage knows I can act out of who I am, not how I feel. And there are going to be times in taking the promise of God in your life, in my life, where the call demands that I move beyond my own personality, that I move beyond my own preference, that I move beyond convenience and step into the thing God is calling me to with all obedience. And that's how capacity grows. That's how we grow, is when we move beyond what's comfortable. We stretch ourselves and we enlarge and we take on more of what God has for us. 
in Proverbs 16 verse 3 is an amazing uh, promise and it's a scripture you can live by. Proverbs 16 verse 3 says, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. What that's saying is you don't always have to wait till you feel like it before you do something. Often in the things of God, you do the thing first and then your emotions catch up. Your thinking catches up. If you're feeling down, get out of bed and do something for someone else. If you're feeling afraid, do the very thing you're afraid of doing. That's how you're going to come into the promise of God. That's how you're going to step into your capacity, your potential, into your next is by committing your works to the Lord, even if your thoughts aren't in line yet, because they'll follow. And so this is actually a powerful way to live and a powerful way to step into courage is to know I can act out of who I am and not how I feel. Have a whatever it takes mentality whatever it takes, even if I don't think I can, even if it scares me, even if it's inconvenience, have a whatever it takes mentality. The second thing courage knows, courage knows that I'm wise enough to know which God will lead me to life. I am wise enough to discern which God is going to lead me into life. You know, the thing is, there are so many gods lowercase g gods in the world screaming for our attention every single day. You know, before COVID and everything shutting down, we would see stadiums filled with fans, you know, worshipping at the altar of state of origin. We would see, and we still see, multiplied millions and billions of dollars made in retail as the retail God is calling out to us. We see so many gods and we hear so many gods calling out to us all the time, calling for us to worship them, calling for us to give them our affection. And all of these gods, and there are many, I mean, it's not just sport and retail, we're talking alcohol, we're talking um, substance, we're talking career, we're talking all sorts of gods that crawl, call out to us. They make promises that they never keep these gods. They never keep their promises. And often we find that out way too late. We find it out way too late. On the way to our destiny, we will be tempted by other gods. We will be tempted, distracted here, there. But we need to know, courage knows, I'm wise enough to discern which God is going to take me into my destiny. And so Joshua understood this. As he got into the promised land and he, and he started leading the crusades through all the different countries and all the different regions and he was um, setting up the kingdom of heaven in these promised lands of his, of theirs, he saw this happening with the people of God, the distractions of the other gods. And so he calls them all together. In Joshua chapter 24, in verse 15, he calls them all together and he goes, guys, listen. Verse 15, choose today who you're going to serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors who served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in the land where you now live? Listen, the gods of your past or the gods of current culture? And then he makes this amazing statement that we all know. It says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. 
There comes a time in possessing the promise of God where you have to decide which God it is you're going to serve, which one it is you're going to give your affection to. And so as we've seen there, there are two traps. There's a generational gods, the, the patterns maybe, the things that um, granddad and dad did that need to stop with you. And then there's also the, the gods of current culture that are screaming to you that you need to go, no, I won't serve that God. And so we need to understand that our wisdom, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit speaks to us, witnesses to us and says, you know which God's going to take you to life. You know this one's not going to do it. And the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus all the time. Every time, if we would just be honest and vulnerable and accountable to him, wisdom points us in the right direction. And so we need to also understand that as Joshua is saying here, that there's this ability for us to learn from the past so that we can step into the future. And I want to speak for a moment to the fathers and the sons, because some of us have grown up in homes where we didn't have an upbringing, an upbringing of godly wisdom. Some of us did. Whatever the case may be, I want to encourage you to lean into godly wisdom. I want to encourage you to lean in to godly wisdom because that wisdom will tutor you in the direction of your promise. Make sure that you serve the God who leads to life. And so then at the end of this, you know, as I'm reading through it and I'm, I'm drawing the parallels between the Israelites and my own life, the things that God has called me out of, the slavery he's brought me out of and the things he wants to bring me into, the fight that I need to be willing to make and, and the obedience and what I can step into in order to be in the fullness of my potential. I'm starting to ask God, Lord, why is it though that so many Jesus followers still struggle, still struggle with addiction, with habits, with rebellion really to the things of God? Why is it? that even knowing God sometimes isn't enough. And I felt the Spirit of God say to me, it's because they haven't had a revelation of true love. They haven't had a revelation of the only one type of true love, and that's the love of God. The third thing courage knows is, love gives me the strength to choose well. Love does that. When we look at Deuteronomy, as I mentioned in the Chronological Bible, those two books, Joshua and Deuteronomy, are kind of interwoven because they happened at the same time. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, we hear Moses' very last address to the people before he passes away, before Joshua becomes the new leader. And so this is the address, the last address Joshua hears from his leader, the very last thing he hears his leader say in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15 to 16, it says this, Moses speaking to all the people who are about to move onward, who are about to go into the promise. Moses says, now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands his decrees and his regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you're about to occupy. 
And then we skip down four verses into uh, verse 20. Here's the key. And here's the key for our lives. Moses is saying, you can make this choice. You can make the right choice by loving the Lord your God, by obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. If you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land that the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Bravery is a choice to love and obey. Bravery is a choice to love and obey. And the proof of love is in the pursuit. The proof of our love is in our obedience in pursuing the things of God. He provided that proof by pursuing us, by pursuing us. And so we know that the scripture says we love him because he first loved us. That's the only reason we can love is because he loved first. And so for me, every time I'm feeling at a loss, every time I'm feeling conflicted or confused, I know actually I've just turned my face a little bit too far away from the face of God. And it may be a degree of adjustment you need to make today. If you're struggling with that decision, if you're struggling to step into the things of God, I want to encourage you to turn your face directly into the countenance of God. Be seen by him and see him. In him is complete love. In him, you are undone and put back together all in one moment. In him, you are fully yourself. And so the moment we turn even a degree away, we fall away from the ability to choose well. But love gives us the ability to choose well. So I want to encourage you today to turn your face fully into the face of God. Stand toe to toe with him. Go nose to nose with him. Let him speak over you and see you and allow yourself to see him. In that place, everything else falls away. In that place, the decision becomes obvious. In that place, we are flooded with courage and bravery. And so I want to encourage you today. You are able to step into the things of God. Courage knows that I have the wisdom to discern. Courage knows that I can act out of who I am and not always how I feel. And courage knows that when I'm face to face with love, I can choose well. So just in this moment, I want to give an invitation as well to anyone who might be watching this, uh, this video, anyone who might be watching wherever you are and you are away from God. And as you've been listening, your heart's been drawn into this possibility of a future and a destiny in God who loves you and intended for you to hear this and intended for you to hear it so that you could come into a relationship with him. I want to offer you an invitation to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. As I've said, you can respond because he came to you first. He's a God that comes to us first. He's a God who reaches out first. And today he's inviting you to come back into him. If that's you and, and you want to come into a relationship with Jesus to make him the Lord and Savior of your life, I'd love just to pray for you right now. Lord God, I thank you that you can minister, Lord, to us wherever we are. Father, you minister to us in whatever way we need. And so, Father, right now you can minister through a screen. Father, I believe in this moment 
Lord, as our hearts are turned towards you, there are sons and daughters who are coming home. And for those ones, we celebrate with heaven. We rejoice with heaven that they've come back into a relationship with a father in heaven. Father God, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to stand in our place for the wrong that we'd done, the wrong that had been done to us, all the things that separated us from your love, that your son stood in our place so that we could come into a relationship with you, pure, forgiven, spotless and free. Lord Jesus, I thank you right now for forgiveness. I thank you right now for uh, justification. Father, I thank you right now for your mercy. Father, I thank you in this moment, the old is gone and the new has come. I thank you in this moment, we are adopted into your family as sons and daughters to take our place with you, Lord. And Father, I pray for a hedge of protection around these decisions. Father, I pray that you would navigate the next steps, Lord Jesus. And Lord God, I pray that this moment right here would be a line in the sand. We thank you. It is an, an eternal decision that makes all the difference for the days to come as we move onward in the promises that you've given to us. In Jesus' name, we thank you for salvation. Amen and amen. Well, church, it's been a privilege to be with you. I'm sure that you'll hear now on what to do next if you made that decision. Please know that I love your church. I love your pastors and I'm praying for you in this season and the exciting things that God is doing in your church as he expands you. Be blessed and we'll see you next time.